So of all times right now, as I start this recording, I'm in the car. It's 9.55. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. Praise God. This has been one of the most busy mornings uh, from the Lord. God has just spoken to me so much this morning. And um, man, it's been incredible. God, it's been incredible. Oh my goodness, I'm so just blown away. Goodness gracious. <clears throat> I um, I get a message this morning. Today's message is called God's Timing. So obviously I told my friend yesterday, no, uh, that, I, that the Lord has told me to stay put and I can't go to live in his house. To not make a decision, at least in this new house, based upon me. And I haven't heard back from him, but I did let him know that I just, you know, I got to I gotta stay put. So the Lord gave me confirmation on that. I saw 5.11 like five times yesterday. It was incredible, you know, about persevering. So, man, I'm just so emotional about this. Goodness gracious. So today... The message from Wisdom Hunters is about God's timing. And the scripture is the scripture where Mary and Martha, I guess, have run to Jesus and explained that Lazarus is really, really sick. And Jesus, it says, they said, let's stay here two more days. That's the scripture. In fact, I'm just going to... The, the email that comes in this morning from one of my devotions from God's timing on from uh, from Wisdom Hunters is called God's Timing. And the scripture says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. You can see the irony of this. Somebody's hurt and Jesus says, well, let's just stay here two more days. Well, we know how the rest of the story ends, but this is showing the importance of God's timing. So while I'm looking at that, I'm just reading and I'm very encouraged. And believe it or not, it has to do with um, most of the message has to do with, uh, you know, waiting for a good wife. I'm passing the mile marker 311 right now. And, um, golly, I'm just so overwhelmed by this morning. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Whew. So, Lord, help me to get through this. So the next thing that happens is <laughs> that I am, uh, I'm sitting there continuing on in my studies and I'm doing what the Lord has told me to do yesterday. I read a book about the nine principles of an extraordinary life by Charles Stanley I read the chapter on obedience, and in the book it talks about there may be some things in your life God has asked you to do that you don't want to do, that you have found excuse to not do, you've looked away from, and immediately me, it's me recognizing that God has continually told me, memorize the teachings of Christ, store up the commands in my heart, and I have it has been so hard that I've kind of backburnered my urgency on it over and over. And he knows that I'm making progress, but I think God would say that it's not been very diligent progress. I'm doing a lot of other good things, but that is not important when God has asked me to do something different. So I was really focused on that, and 
decided today to get back in, so I spent the first part of my morning just looking at my scriptures today, from Matthew 5.39 all the way to like verse 47. And I'm doing that. All of a sudden, I recognize I look down at a certain time, and it's 8.22. And it just struck me that, man, I wonder if that's a number, and I'm really trying to pay attention to anything God might be saying to me right now. So I looked at my, my scriptures, and it's not you know where I keep them, and it's not uh, one that I've seen before. So I go to look up what the scripture could be. And I land at 1 Kings 8.22. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel spread out his hands toward heaven and said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no one like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who wholeheartedly continue in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father, with your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled it as of today. And I just felt like God was telling me, and I, first of all, I thought, oh my goodness, this is exactly like this is exactly like 1 Kings 8.55 that God shows me all the time. It's like the 8.55 verse, and I'm like, I've never seen this scripture before. And I'm like, I know that's in here. I scroll down to 8.55, and it's where Solomon says again, He stood and blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice, saying, Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he has promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises that he gave through his Moses, through his servant Moses. And God has been showing this scripture to me over and over and over and over for weeks. Right now I'm in front of a truck and the license plate is 111 and the car next to it is 555. God, I'm starting to feel like I was before the court. I, I just noticed this dump truck in front of me. It's got a license plate of 111 on it, which is, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, with you, whom I love, with you, I am well pleased. And just as I noticed the truck, I looked over in a car with 555. It was right next to it. This happened exactly like I'm taking a picture of the truck right now unbelievable unbelievable when I got into the car this morning as of right this minute I looked down I was going to tell this part of the story later the mileage on the car is 87,774 it was 71 87,774 that's 777 all the time God's been telling me remember what I've already done don't give up don't quit have faith Trust me and I will take care of you. You will be blessed if you persevere. And so I saw this 822 this morning and I was so excited about that. I'm like, and I felt in my spirit that God is telling me that he's getting ready to deliver me. It's like a double confirmation of what God's been telling me that all of his promises will come true because I've told so many people he's made all these promises to me. So a few minutes later, which would have now been an hour or two since I read the God's timing email that talked about, and Jesus stayed two more days. And what was the point? To bring God glory. Instead of solving the small little problem of his health, God was going to do something even more extraordinary, even more miraculous by waiting. My mom comes out at about 8.30 something, and she says, 
Michael, have you figured out what you're going to do yet, son? You've only got two more days. And I just, the spirit of God, I just felt like was just like all over encouraging me and filling me with hope. And it was like all of a sudden I just began to feel this sense of unbelievable increase in my faith. Oh my goodness, right now, a car, a van is pulling in front of me right this second. The license plate is 212. This is Laura's number. This van just pulled in front of me right this second while I'm making this recording. I started this recording at 9.55, and a van just pulled in front of me 212 right now. I just took it. It's a commercial residential conditioning air solutions van. This is amazing. This is amazing. This is exactly like the day I left court in February 17th of 2012, where God showed me that 777 16 times in one day. I mean, this is, this, this is incredible. Michael Commentary. This is truly incredible to go back and listen to really what you're hearing in Trusting God in the Wilderness all the way through is the grace of God sustaining a worm that God made. And you hear it. And so as you can tell, God sees that I've been stretched so far and now I'm coming down to the wire you know, with only two days left and God is pulling out all the stops to encourage me. You see this. You know, Psalm 138.7 says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, I'm still walking, but I'm in serious trouble. And I've been in trouble for a long time, circumstantially. You've heard it in these recordings. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you, you preserve my life. It's like Psalm 54.4. Surely God is my help. It is the Lord who sustains me. You are hearing... In these recordings, the living God reaching through and preserving my life by grace over and over. God is my help. It is the Lord who is sustaining me. That is what is so unbelievable to me about having captured all this is that God allowed me to capture his real time grace. You know, and you hear him saying to me, hang in there, son, persevere. Remember, you know, Job's perseverance and what the Lord finally brought about. Look what the Lord finally brought about in my life. Look at this. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. And yet there's no way I could have seen any of this back then. We're talking six years ago. There's still more suffering for me to go, but there's still a whole lot more preservation from God to sustain me in this, just as he will sustain anyone who fears him, anyone who obeys him like this, anyone who gives him a mustard seed of faith to work with, anyone who truly burns in their desire for him, brothers and sisters. This is the last thing I will be saying on my way out of this world is that God will do this for anyone who will trust him and love him. God will not fail those who trust in him, who obey him, those who are pure in heart. God will not fail them. He answers the prayers of the man who obeys his commands and does what pleases him. And part of that is suffering the will of God. And God is pleased with what I'm doing. And so eventually he's going to richly, abundantly bless me in every way beyond what I could think, ask, or imagine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. End of commentary. God is just encouraging me. So all of a sudden the Spirit starts making a connection for me between 
the two days that my mom just came out of her mouth, you only have two days. The devotion this morning, God's timing, waiting two extra days. Another scripture I saw tomorrow says that it was in, it was another 822 verse I found in Exodus that said that this miracle will take place tomorrow. And I'm like, God, are you telling me there's going to be some, some miracle tomorrow? You know, I mean, are we getting that close? And so I'm just filled with faith and just trusting God to do something awesome because I've waited so long and I've trusted my God. So I'm listening to a message this morning that a friend of mine, Bobby Junkin, told me about last night by Charles Stanley called Growing in Your Faith. And Charles Stanley is talking about these amazing things and he brings up, of all people, he brings up these three people that made such a huge difference in his life to increase his faith. Obviously, one of them was his grandfather, but another one was George Mueller. I've never heard Charles Stanley talk about George Mueller. When I hear George Mueller, when I hear Charles Stanley teach, it's like I'm teaching. He's teaching the same things. He's just way further down the road than I am, but he believes and has had the same experiences with God that I have. Or rather, I should say I'm having the same experiences he's had. He's talking about George Mueller. And I'm going, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And he talks about how George, you know, was, was told never to ask for money. That's exactly what Charles Stanley did with In Touch Ministry. I just learned this two weeks ago, and I just told some people about it. Not even a week ago, I said, man, you're not going to believe this. You know, Charles Stanley, In Touch Ministries, never asked for any money. That's the same way... I'm doing with, with George Mueller. God used George Mueller and, and Charles Stanley begins to teach that God will bring people into your life to teach you about his ways and to help you to walk in a certain aspect of his. And George Mueller for me was the faith, walking in this deep faith. So I'm just so encouraged. I'm yes and amen and I'm just blown away and he's talking about all the things I know that that God's been teaching me even through him about faith he's kind of revisiting those so then my mom starts to talk to me I look over I see a 919 I'm like oh but Lord why would you be showing me a 919 when you're seeming to tell me that things are getting ready to break what am I I'm I'm waiting right so what what are you what what's the 919 for 30 seconds later out of my mom's mouth. Michael, need you to go today to get your phone. Go get your phone. A couple minutes later, I look over and see the 919 again on a different clock. And I'm thinking, oh, I thank the Lord. And then I felt like the Spirit was telling me, don't get a phone yet. Don't do what your mom is asking you to do. Do what I'm asking you to do. You wouldn't be getting a phone right now if it wasn't for your mom telling you. And God, I'm just like, okay, Lord, I got it. As I'm getting ready to walk out the door, my mom says, you know, it'd be better for you to go this morning. She's been on me every day about going and getting my phone. It'd be better for you to go this morning. And I said, Mom, well, apparently I'm not supposed to go to Airport Road Starbucks this morning because there's not a car in the parking lot, parking spot. Anyhow, I said to her mom, I said, Mom, I think the Lord has shut me down and I think I'm supposed to wait on the phone and I could just see the disappointment, but I'm trying to stay away from my mom right now because she's living on, you know, the way she wants things done. And I'm living on a different situation. I'm, I'm living in faith and obedience to God. I don't know why God doesn't want me to get a phone. I don't need to know why. If he tells me I need to do it. So 
I told my mom that and I felt instant peace, just peace, just getting it out. You know, mom, I have to wait and I'm not going to get it. I told her, I said, mom, I cannot afford to get ahead of God. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm praying about it. And I didn't tell her that I felt like I already have full confirmation from that because I have peace on it. So I leave the house. I get in the car. It's 9.55. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. I look down at the speedometer. It's 87,771. All faith, all remembering things that God has done, all just filling me up with promises. And yet, here it is, I have, and here is it again. Here it is again. This is the original. As God is my witness, I didn't even think about it. I'm going to take a picture of it right there. Right there is the original 212. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. As I'm... It's almost too much. I literally just turned this corner on this street, not even thinking about where I was at. I couldn't go to that Starbucks because every single seat, every single parking spot is is taken. I turned the corner out of a certain way, and I look up, and there's the original 212 that God connected to Laura. The very original one from, from over, you know, close to 18 months ago unbelievable I'm talking about it and there it is this is the way it happens God has just been doing this with me to encourage me and so I have two days left I have no money I've obeyed God to the point where I have nothing to save myself I have no resources of my own I am in serious trouble I've asked my ex-wife to confirm for me the day I can come get the kids I still have not heard from her from two days I've asked this Tyler school teacher to please, you know, understand that if you guys make the recommendation of of summer school and Tyler gets left behind, that that could do more emotional damage to him than any additional academic benefit could provide. Is the school taking this into consideration in their recommendation? I haven't heard back from them. Everybody's asking. Everybody's anxious. I'm filled. The only anxiety I'm having right now is emotion over just how unbelievably awesome God is. That's why I feel like I'm just because I'm just overwhelmed. God has done this to me several times and it's been amazing. And people say, oh, you have such strong faith. This is a perfect example. Why people say, oh, you have such strong faith, Mike. I, I Somebody told me last week, I'm just not there yet, Mike. I don't have that kind of faith. People make the mistake of thinking that this faith is coming from me. They need to understand that I brought the mustard seed and God brings the heavyweight grace and he shows me all these numbers and speaks to me through in a way that I understand. And he encourages me through his word and by his spirit. That's why I've been able to go this long in the face of all my detractors, in the face of all common sense, in the face of all logic, and literally look like a complete idiot because I'm trusting my God. Because I believe he's everything he says he is, and I believe his words are what he says they are, and that he will do what he says he will do. And I have evidence. God built my faith through that divorce, through that 777. God strengthened my faith so that I could believe God for bigger things. It's just like when Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. That event strengthened his faith. Even though he looked at the fear of the waves and sank, I'm sure there were times he looked back. And remembered, if I'll believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I walked on water. And I walked through the Red Sea in the last five minutes of that court case. And 
I'm just so, so excited and so overwhelmed. I have been clinging to faith. There has been moments when I have just wanted to just quit. And, um, oh, God has just been so faithful to me. God has been so faithful to me. And so I'm going to just continue to trust Him. And I'm just filled with faith. I think there's going to be, I feel like what God is telling me is that there's going to be a miracle in these next two days. And what somebody should understand, particularly children, my kids, listen to me. When you hear this message, you need to understand and you'll know from having listened to the hundreds of other messages that your father has made that I have absolutely no insight whatsoever into what God is going to do. I have no idea. In other words, I'm just as good as dead in the water right now if it's not for the promises that I believe I have received from God to come to true. There is no circumstantial evidence to believe God will do anything. I've not seen anything. There's been nothing that's changed in my circumstances for me to think, oh, wow, maybe something's going to happen. No, nothing. If anything, I should be thinking about being homeless in two days or having to move in with somebody I really don't want to move in with. And I've asked God to provide for me. But I'm just believing God for a miracle. I'm believing God because He has told me. And so when it comes true, you will know that God told me in advance. And and Dad is seeing this uh, thing happen called God's faithfulness that millions before me have seen. This isn't just a Dad thing. This is anybody, although it's a very few amount of people, that actually trust God enough and have enough faith in Him to see this kind of stuff. God can do this and will and desires to do this in your life. And it's just like Charles Stanley said, that he saw the way his grandfather lived and he spent one week with his grandfather. And his grandfather told him how God worked in his life. And it completely transformed Charles Stanley's faith in God. And then he talked about how God used... Dr. Bill Bright, and I saw Charles Stanley get choked up this morning for the first time, and it it blew my mind. It was really, really weird seeing Charles Stanley get, you know, worked up. Anyhow, I'm going to end the recording now and just see what happens here. It's 540 on 529-2014. This morning was that real heavy, uh, heavy-loaded... God talking time where he just was speaking to me and encouraging me left and right Um, left the house telling my mom I would pray about the you know the phone thing I'm waiting for a confirmation get to Starbucks sit down a few minutes car pulls up looked at their tag small little phone number right on the top of this tag 919 so I'm like okay God I see that spent a wonderful afternoon with Bobby actually met with Chris today for a while and then Bobby and Wes told them all about the things I'm waiting for and believing for and they're encouraged by my faith and we're so thankful that I share it with them and they're really believing that God's going to do something awesome as well they have childlike faith it's so wonderful and then we go they take me to, to, to dinner and I go we go to Sam and Greg's we walk inside Sam and Greg's and there's David, a guy that I know from a long time ago. I can't remember his name. He's the motocross guy. He had a motocross business that went out of business, lost everything, divorced, the whole thing, just like me. He's a non-believer. 
but I liked them. And one time we got so kind of comfortable with each other, we got to talking about future wives and girls not working out or what have you and in his life. And I said, well, I've got one, but I'm waiting for it. I'm trusting God for it. And I showed him a picture of it. He goes, man, I know her. He's like, I've seen her. He's like, believe it or not, her kids go to school with my kids. So I was like, man, you got to promise me you won't say anything. He goes, you know, man, he goes, she really is different. You're right. You know, I had told him she's very different. He goes, you're right. She is different. He said, uh, my kids even said, you know, that she's just really nice and sweet. And um, he said he could see that in, in her eyes. You could just see there's something different about her. And I said, yeah, man, I told you there was. So I run into him tonight. And he's got this beautiful girlfriend now. She, They're living in Cleveland, Ohio. I haven't seen him for months, 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 months. Saw his ex-girlfriend day before yesterday. Now I see him today. And they just drove in from Cleveland to see his kids. And I um, was talking to him. And then sure enough, he after we got past the small tuck, he said, Hey, man, he said, did you ever did you ever get that girl, you know? Are you ever, you know, with her and all that? And... and I said, no, man. I said, I'm still waiting. He goes, really? I said, yeah. And then a few minutes later, after I told him the story, and his, his girlfriend, Jen, was there. She was really nice. And I said, no, man. I said, you know, I'm just letting God do heart surgery on me, man, and fi- finish up some things. And I'm just waiting on his timing. And he goes, man, you got to move on her. He's like, you got to move on that, you know? He goes, I met her. And he's pointing to Jen. And he said, we passed each other in some place. And it was just like, wow, what was that? And then he said it took a month for him to call her. And um, he goes, you got to move on that. And so anyhow, it was just funny that this morning was the morning about God telling me over and over about uh, 212, 212. I saw it so many times today. And now here's a guy who's a non-believer trying to put pressure on me again. And no, I have to wait. But it's an interesting thing to think about. And the oh, one other crazy thing about it is, he goes, man, you're not going to believe this. He goes, my daughter was girlfriend and so his daughter's name is lily and i'm like are you kidding me and and she was in the restaurant and i i think he wanted me to meet him but i didn't open that door because i didn't want there to be anything said about oh i don't have her say anything and you know i just didn't want to get anything started so i stayed out of it but i just thought how funny is that this little girl lily is the ex-girlfriend of who i i i Pray is going to be my future son-in-law. I mean, uh, future bonus son. That's too funny. Too funny. It's 2.37 on 5.30-2014. I had two wonderful encounters this morning at Starbucks. Praise be to God. Um, also, without me having to say anything, my mom finally came and said, thank you, finally came and said, um, hey, we've thought about it, and it doesn't make a lot of sense for you to move out when your kids are going to be coming in. Why don't you move afterwards? Michael commentary. Now, I kind of just quickly breeze over this point, which I shouldn't have, but the reason is is because I'm getting ready to explain a very dramatic divine encounter I had at Starbucks. But let's rewind the clock. Two days earlier, I'm seeing a message about waiting on God's timing. I have all this pressure to move. I have an open door opportunity to go move in with a friend and it may be better than being homeless, but there's, you know, this urine, cat urine soaked environment. And I'm, I'm challenging God. Is this really what you have for me? And, you know, we see the passage of John 
11, where uh, Mary and Martha are dealing with the death of Lazarus. And although he's sick and they've cried out to the Lord, the Lord is pleased to wait another two days. And so here it has been two days. And watch this. God has resurrected, if you will, my, quote, sick living conditions. You know, my living conditions were sick. I'm getting ready to be out on the street. They're dying, right? You can look at it like this. And so now by my waiting for God to act in my behalf, by my persevering and doing exactly what God has asked me to do, staying put, my mom goes from being absolutely convinced and convicted to send me out. God brings life back into that dead or dying living condition. It is an answered prayer from God to do what he said for me to persevere. End of commentary. So God has come through for me again. And um, I get to stay. I don't need to worry about trying to find a place to live right now. And I'll continue to wait on him. I go to Starbucks this morning. I see a guy sitting in the corner, a young guy. Looks like he's having a real tough time. Deep in thought, drinking his coffee, looking at the ground, looking up, that whole thing. Finally, I reach out to him and uh, go outside and give him a card. And then um, he says, you know, he didn't seem to be going through anything particularly bad, but he shows back up an hour later with his laptop at the computer. Like maybe he's going to watch it. Sees me there, I guess, and ends up leaving. But in the meantime, I run into an old high school mate. He was a year ahead of me named Greg. And I knew that my mom had told me about him for years and he had had drug issues and lost it all, made it all. Same similar stuff to me, but just hardcore drug use. Went up to him, introduced myself to him. It was a most amazing divine encounter. It was just incredible. God just put us together at the right time. He had just shot drugs yesterday. Here he is today trying to get a job interview. And um, I just spoke words of faith to him and encouraged him, told him a little bit about my story. He cried. And then we're actually going to get together. And um, I'm gonna, I invited him to my Bible study. He's so excited about coming. So just a, such, a, such a neat thing. Neat, neat thing. God is good. God is good. It's 5.10 in the morning on the 31st of May. I had a bad dream about Laura last night that even made me upset when I woke up. And it wasn't terrible, but it, was, it wasn't like a horror dream, but it was just a bad dream. And yesterday at Starbucks, I had mentioned to Chris, I've been seeing so many 212s, and it's like God is just so encouraging me about Laura. I mean, yesterday, as I looked down at the speedometer, the odometer, the tripometer was 212.2. And as I looked down at it a second time, just thanking God, a car was passing me with the license plate 212. I took a picture of it. And I um, told Chris last night at Starbucks yesterday evening, I said, you know, I have some worries every once in a while that she doesn't have a heart for, for God and the things of God as much as I would like her to. And I'm concerned that she she maybe puts too much, I hope that she doesn't put too much confidence in her, you know, her worldly wealth and her properties and all that, that she still knows a dependence on God. And I said, you know, but I'm not worried about it. I'm going to, I live in faith. I know that if God's going to give her to me, that he's either going to work that out or he's working it out now. And I talked about how I hoped that God was working on her as he was working on me during this time of waiting and Chris goes you know I wish he would just tell you you could call her but I know it's you know not in his timing and stuff and so anyhow I have this dream last night where I run into her and meet her somewhere and she's totally receptive to me and we end up having an amazing day together and she's 
very affectionate with me and we start to date and she's just really nice and touchy-feely and everything's just wonderful and I'm all I can thinking is I cannot wait to show and we take lots of pictures I said I cannot wait to show people that doubted me that God finally gave Laura to me and it's also interesting this thought just came to me that yesterday when I met Greg his current girlfriend's name is Laura every time he said that you know picture of her just flashed into my head and so the dream starts out great and I even remember being able to kiss her in the dream and it was wonderful she was really interested and very physical affectionate with me um but shortly thereafter the dream changes I go to her house and everything is very disorganized and there's stuff all over the floor and there's just stuff everywhere and I go to use the bathroom in her bat in her bedroom and there's like two or three different toilets and some of them work and some of them don't. It's just weird and there's just stuff everywhere. She's got like six purses on the ground that are all filled with stuff and there's just stuff everywhere. She's just not a very clean housekeeper and so this is bothering me. It reminded me of Jill's house. And then all of a sudden I hear her telling a story about how somebody's doing a book on her about her, an injury that she had while she was running and how she overcame it. And all of a sudden, all these negative thoughts came to my mind. Oh my goodness. She's another Jill. She puts running ahead of God. Running is her thing. You know, nobody's ever going to be able to get between her and her running. And it just becomes very negative. And, but I don't panic because I have a deeper level of faith than I do when I was dating Jill. But I um, start thinking about it and concerned about it. And I'm just like, God, what am I going to do? Is she, is she going to be one of these that puts, you know, these things before you? And anyhow, I ended up basically waking up and going, oh, man, it started out with great affection. But then it became clear she had other interests. And it's like, it was bothersome really bothered me waking up I haven't had that dream but now I know I'm going to step back in faith and realize that either my own mind or the enemy's playing games with me Michael commentary or my brother it could be that God is giving you these dreams to try to give you some prophetic insight and begin to slowly let the air out of this balloon so that when the one that God has truly chosen for you comes and is ready God will have taken the time in advance to begin to slowly, although you haven't known it yet, release your hands from gripping the image of this promised wife he has given you. End of commentary. It's 12.15 on the 31st of May, 2014. I just left Governor's Drive Starbucks working on some documents. And as I was leaving, I was sitting at the intersection there of the parkway and Governor's Drive and I looked in my rearview mirror I could see a young attractive couple looking at a convertible Mercedes that was sitting in a used car lot and I saw them both looking at it and then the the girl kind of stepped aside and the guy kept walking around and he had his arms crossed and just standing there staring at this car and then he began to move around at all different angles kind of just standing there staring at it looking glancing and all I kept just hearing is lust of the eyes lust of the eyes lust of the eyes I saw them being drawn into this and I thought back to when my ex-wife and I were about that age 
and we were looking and eyeballing that black Mercedes. It was so pretty to look at, and you just know that it'll make you feel good, and it's fun, it, it's got comfort, it's neat, it gives you some prestige, and there's just all kinds of, you know, pride things. I remember how I used to feel when we would parallel, or uh, rather, when we would drive down to South Florida. I finally felt like I fit in because I had this black Mercedes and I was excited about going to the restaurants and, you know, I remember driving down Los Olas Boulevard feeling like, you know, we were part of the crowd now. We were part of the end group because we had this Mercedes and I remember loving going to the motel and letting them valet park my Mercedes and then I remember we stayed at this really nice motel down in uh, Naples. Uh, it seems like it was called the Vanderbilt or something. Vanderbilt on the beach or something. I don't know, but it was a really nice hotel. And they parallel, they uh, they uh, valet parked our car on top of a building all by itself across the way from the hotel. And I remember walking out and looking at it and seeing our car and almost again feeling like an affection for it. You know, like that's our Mercedes. You know, and it's this inanimate metal object that was designed in such a way that it's appealing to the lust of the eyes. And in and of itself, it's not bad, but it's designed to take you away from what really matters in life, and that being the things of God, things of loving other people, things of being, you know, matters of being content. I just, I saw this couple standing there, and it just reminds me that if I, I have no desire for a Mercedes right now, God has given me such contentment. But I bet that if I went and spent an hour or more at a Mercedes dealership, getting in and out of them, looking at them, turning the stereo on, test driving them, listening to, you know, the polished talk of a salesperson, I bet I could feed that part of me and feed that lust of the eyes again and get it going to where I start with having that desire again. I would be a fool to do that, to think, well, I'm there, I'm never going to want something like that ever again. No. It's just with anything. If you go look at a big screen TV, if you go look at certain furnishings, if you go look, you're going to want. Because every time you go to look at something, it's not just looking at women or looking at men. A lot of men struggle with looking at women. But the fact is, the lust of the eyes is, is anything we're looking at with that desire for a sense of fulfillment or satisfaction. And it could easily be something that's outside of God's will for our life. And... I don't know, I just see this principle at play. The more that guy's sitting there looking at that thing, the more he's getting sucked in. It's like you know there's a part of him going, hmm, is this the right thing to do? Is this a good choice of my money? You, but you just want it for how it's going to make you feel. It's amazing uh, to watch this happen. I, I feel like I need to do a message about this. It's uh, May 31st. Oh my goodness, it's 2.12 right now. <laughs> I have my phone on my arm. I have my phone on my arm. I, have, I can't even barely see because of the sun. I just hit record and it's 2.12 p.m. When I got out of my car at the foot of the mountain to come to this trail. <laughs> the car that I parked next to, as I was thinking about Laura, I get out of the car and the car I parked next to, the license plate is 2.12. And now it's 2.12. Thank you, God. Oh, that makes me feel so good. I feel like the Lord just has been so faithful to me to continue to encourage me about Laura. I've been thinking a lot about her today. Um, but anyhow, 
I got the call to come up on the mountain this morning. Um, on my way to Starbucks, I saw a 646, and I just felt the Lord say, come up to the mountain today, and went and did my work at Starbucks, came home, and started having some doubts about coming up here. wasn't really feeling like it. And I uh, thought, well, I'll just walk in the neighborhood. And I said, Lord, do you want me to go up on the mountain, or do I need to go, can I go in the neighborhood? <clears throat> I ended up coming up to the mountain and figuring, you know, maybe the Lord wants me to meet somebody again. Come up to the mountain, I'm walking towards the head trail, and I've prayed, Lord, use me in any way you see fit. I'm walking towards the trail, and I see a guy in his Toyota truck with the lights on. Back window's open, side window's open. I look down, and I see... Florida license plate, and I'm thinking, hmm, that's cool. Then I see David Moss Toyota uh, around the, the license plate, and I, I yelled to him in the window. I said, hey, man, are you from Florida, from Orlando? He stuck his head out the window and said, yeah, and I went over and walked over to his window and just had a conversation with him. His name's James, and I mentioned uh, coming up here to the trail a lot. I mentioned a divorce, and he goes, oh, wow. He goes, I'm actually going through that pretty soon myself. He said, um, my, I'm separated from my wife right now. 25-year marriage. And he said, I've been living in Orlando and Oviedo of all places. I mean, that is right in my backyard. And uh, he works for Lockheed Martin, which is right on Lake Underhill, which is the street that my kids go to school on. They go to school right up the street from this guy. So we just had a long conversation, and, and um, I just said, hey, you know, maybe we met for a reason today, James. I said, we have so much in common. You know, we both moved from... Orlando to here after divorce. I've been here for three years. You're just coming. And he's actually from Huntsville. I'm actually not from Huntsville, but was here years ago and then came back after the divorce. And he's doing the same thing. And he thinks he's going to be here permanently. And he's probably 58 years old. <clears throat> and um, I said, you know, James, I said, when the sky fell out for me, I humbled myself and I asked God for help. And I said, I don't know where you're at spiritually. I don't know if you even believe in God. I said, but I found him and just, you know, all I do now is spend my time helping other people that are going through hurting things. I said, you know, maybe we met for a big reason today. I said, hold that thought. Stay right there. I went to go get a losing everything to find it all card and don't have any in my wallet. Good sign. I've been giving them all out. Um, but I've been meaning to bring some on the trail with me because I keep running into people up here and having these divine encounters with people and I don't have a card to give them. So I had him write it in his phone and I said three or four times, you know, take a look at this, take a look at this. And he even mentioned, yeah, maybe we could get together. I'll contact you through the site and we can do some hiking together. And I tell he can tell he probably doesn't have a lot of friends up here. And so I just walked away and was just thanking God for that meeting. And I'm going to pray that God opens the door for me to share Christ with him. And, and I pray that he watches the video and, and opens his heart to God. And I just feel like that God wanted me to meet James today. It's another one of those just awesome stories. And, and I'm going to invite him to the Bible study so that he can come and meet some guys. So, um, I don't know, man, there's just something so awesome. God's just been having me meet people almost on a daily basis. It's just unbelievable. I've prayed for fruit and God's not doing much through the website, but man, he sure is doing a lot through me individually, just meeting people. You know, it just makes me feel so good and so thankful for it. It's awesome. So I'm going to keep praying for James. And also I had an idea when I was coming up the mountain that I should ask for people to be on a list to pray for people that I run into. Like yesterday running into Greg and he's struggling with his drug addiction and staying clean to put him on a list that people will pray for him every day until he gets strong in the Lord. And ask people if they're willing to pray for the people that God in, that I am, am encountering out here. It's amazing what God is doing.
And I just love it that God let it be 2.12 when I started making this recording. I, I just don't have any desire to look at other women. I mean, I haven't for a long time, but, you know, occasionally you still go, oh, she's a pretty lady, you know, and what if, and uh, that's just gone. I just now think only about Laura, only about Laura, and I always just say, well, that's not Laura. And um, although I had that negative dream last night, I've been thinking positive thoughts about her today, and God's been good to encourage me, and I know it's done. I listened to uh, part three of uh, In the School of Faith today by Charles Stanley about the three different, four, I think five different, three different stages of faith, small faith, um, giant faith, and perfect faith. I know it's done. I know it's done. I have that, what he calls his perfect faith. God has given that to me now, and I just know that God is going to bless me and it is already, she already is my wife. I'm praying for her as if she's already my wife. I have been for some time, and I just feel stronger about it than ever, and I can't wait. I, I feel like possibly, I mean, I don't know, maybe God's encouraging me that it's going to be a lot longer, and He needs to keep me encouraged, but I just, I'm looking forward to that day. Oh, my goodness. I thought today, I was like, Lord, what if I run into her on the trail? What, what do I say? And and then I realized I don't have to worry about that. God will help me and I just be calm and humble and talk to her like a normal person and everything should come out all right. I have a sometimes have a feeling like I need to come up with something real, you know, intelligent to say or something real, you know, kind of crafty. And that's not, I don't need to do that at all. I don't need to depend upon me. I don't need to try to manipulate or be too funny or be over the top or have some good line. I just need to be me. And be relaxed with her and trust that God already has this. It's not because of what I'm going to say. It's because God's going to move on her heart. Thank you, Lord. It's going to be wonderful.